Hi! <laughs> Welcome to the third episode of Creeps and Crime Storytime. I'm so excited. <laughs> right, so um, if you've listened to the show before, welcome back. If you haven't listened to the show before, mm-hmm. then welcome for the first time. My name is Charlie and I'm going to be telling you a story today. My name is Sophie and I'll be listening along with you. We are two sisters who are very enthusiastic about true crime, weird shit, paranormal mysteries and other freaky stuff. Yes. And today I have another true crime story for you. Before we begin, I'm going to make it exceptionally clear that at no point in this podcast are we going to suggest or imply that any particular person is guilty of a crime. Oh. We are going to discuss events as reported by the Australian news media and by family members, and we will not be giving our own personal theories and opinions as to what happened. At no point in this episode are we going to be accusing anyone of anything illegal. Okay, so for me, this means alleged will be a keyword for the tools. Alleged is going to be a keyword. Take in a this. shot every time we say that. Take a shot every time we say alleged. You'll have a good time. Everyone is good. <laughs> you know what? We should do that too. <laughs> you know. Let's just get to it. We can. Well, I kind of want. No. I'm going to be good. Right. Let's, let's be good. Let's be good. Right. But you guys don't have to be good. You guys can take good a shot. Wine. Unless you're carelessly driving to work, don't take a shot. Yeah. Okay. So. This time, if you're ready, mm-hmm. our story is more recent than the last one, Ooh. which I know you fucking hated. This time, <laughs> our story is taking us back to the 2nd of December, 2010. Oh my gosh. So it's really recent. And just like our first story, we're also going back to Australia, which you probably figured from when I said the Australian news media. Yeah. But before the Australian summer evening of December 2010... We need to talk about a girl who was born 24 years earlier. Phoebe Hansjog (gasps) was born in the early hours of the 9th of May, 1986. This, interestingly, is the Chinese year of the tiger, and Phoebe embodied that perfectly. Her mother, Natalie, actually called Phoebe her tiger cub, which is just fucking precious. It's so cute. Aww. Don't start crying now. I'm not. I'm not gonna cry. But that's just very sweet. It's very. Cute. Isn't this shit here in the tiger as well? Ah, uh, it fucking hey. is. It oh. fucking is. Hey. Oh, hey. oh my god. Okay, what was I up to? A little. I've only just started. Tiger cub. Tiger cub. <laughs> <laughs> we have a lot of information about her personality and talents as a child, thanks to her family, who have since made an incredible website for Phoebe, where we've got a lot of this information. So a lot of the info I have is from the Phoebe Hanschuk website that her family have made. Um, also, if you haven't listened to Morbid, what are you doing with your life? Your existence is meaningless. That's a good question. to that Answer fucking it. show. Um, the Morbid ladies did a magnificent episode. Well, they did two episodes about this case and it was they were great. Um, there's also, and also there is an incredible podcast by, oh shit, what's it called? The, the one. I beg your pardon. The the hot guy. <laughs> oh my god! No, no. 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 That replied to you on Instagram, and you're like, Billy Jensen and Paul Holes, and I might you be in love with them. About. But anyway, that's no, no, no. So they. God, I'm distracted. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Okay, so um, 
cry weekly no 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 stop talking no. <laughs> so the australian um publication <laughs> the sydney news herald yep sounds did, about right did a really really detailed incredible podcast on this case called phoebe's fall um and that had an awful lot of information as well the website's got some really good timelines so i really what's up well i don't really know this case and it sounds like phoebe falls and i don't know if that's an alleged sentence or not you'll have to wait and see (laughs) 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 no 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 no. she she falls basically we can't say at any point Mm. x person did something illegal so Pushing. even if you get Ooh. real tempted to, don't. <laughs> we'll put it out, okay? <laughs> yeah. Just to save us from legal repercussions. And being poor. <laughs> but it's, yeah, we can't really afford to be poor. Anyway, I literally have been waffling on for five fucking minutes. <laughs> Phoebe was a tiger cub and she was always a bad bitch. Um, even when she was a kid Ooh. I think she was just a bad bitch she just had bad bitch energy she wasn't scared That's of anything good. she would always throw herself into things mm. she would just she just had so much energy and oh. so much life and so much courage um, Phoebe was also extremely creative even as a child something that would last throughout her entire life she loved to write she journaled constantly. She wrote poetry. She was an artist. She loved to make art. She was just a really creative soul. Mm-hmm. You know, like one of those people that's just like raw creative energy. Yeah. That was Phoebe. That was who she was. She played a lot as a child and she used her imagination to make exploring the outdoors even more exciting than it already was. She was very good at climbing and adventuring and she was often referred to as a little bit of a tomboy when Ooh. she was a kid. Um, she was incredibly popular at school as well and had no trouble making friends and she was just loved by her peers. Mm. Phoebe was the older sister to two younger brothers who were named Tom and Nikolai. Her mother Natalie and father Len separated when she was a child but they kept in touch and Phoebe and her brothers lived with their dad in Melbourne. She was very close with her grandmother Jeanette as well so she had a really good relationship with her grandparents. Phoebe was also a very gifted athlete and she remained athletic for her whole life and was always extremely physically fit. As well as exploring and playing outdoors, like we said earlier, Phoebe loved to climb. She loved to climb on top of her family home's slate roof when she was a kid, and as she got older, she took this passion into rock climbing and hiking. That's cool. So she was was super cool. She was really cool. I feel like if we'd have ever got to meet Phoebe, we would have got along with her really well. Except she's, like, really active, we are potatoes. And we're potatoes. <laughs> but we're creative potatoes. She'd have taught us. She'd have, she could teach me how to climb. Phoebe played basketball, where she was friends with all of the girls on her team. She was a really good player, but when somebody fouled her, she got onto another fucking level. She would suddenly become unstoppable, and the parents of the other girls would ask her own parents, what's got into her to play like that? Why doesn't she play like that all the time? And her parents would say this was because someone had done her a wrong. Hmm. So... If you fucked with her, she would fuck with you. She yeah. didn't take no shit. No, that's and that started when she was a kid. She was always brilliant. Uh, again, bad bitch energy. Mm-hmm. She just was that anyway, amazing. <laughs> so as Phoebe grew into a young woman, she kept her artistic streak and she wrote and journaled every day. She still had her fierce, quick tempered tiger streak, but she was also caring and compassionate. If she was your friend, she would always stand up for you and nurture you. 
When she was just 14 years old, she felt like her own emotions would get on top of her, though. Because when you're going through puberty, shit is hard. Mm -hmm. And shit was hard. So much is overwhelming. Exactly. So her grandmother, Jeanette, has told how she was, quote, quite hormonal, romantic, intuitive, and very sensitive, end quote. So, yeah, she was just really, really emotional. Yeah. Which is, especially when you're creative, like, creative people tend to be very emotional. It's a journey. It's a journey. As a teenager, though, she would drink. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. And at 15 years old, she used alcohol to calm her anxieties. 15. We've all done it when we go out and there's a lot of people. You have a drink or two to ease yourself into a social situation. Mm -hmm. And it is called liquid confidence for a reason. Yeah. We've all done the thing where you have a bit too much and then you get a little bit sad. Yes. She experimented with drugs, including alcohol, as we've just mentioned. Also, weed, ecstasy and speed. At one point while she was 15, she ran away from home to live with an (gasps) ex-prisoner, his partner and their baby. What? They lived in a squat house in the city for eight weeks. Oh, that's gross. Until she came back home. Yeah, eight she was weeks. going through a rough path. Fifteen. That's, that's no good. It's bonkers. And it's, it is scary. It is really scary. They could have been. Yeah. Mm. After this incident, she began to take prescribed antidepressants to deal with her mood swings. And she remained on medication in some fashion for most of her life. So it's worth mentioning as well at this point that her father, Len, was a psychiatrist. He was actually a doctor in the field of psychiatry, so he did know a lot about mental health. Mm -hmm. So she was always, and because she had such a good relationship with her family members, she was always sort of around somebody who Mm. knows a lot about mental health and could keep an eye on her. So I think I read as well that her father, Len, felt kind of weird prescribing his own daughter medication. But he was extremely invested in her mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, he always he always would be. Um, and yeah, he does note that although Phoebe had had really depressive episodes in her life, when she got older, she got sort of out of her depression and she could handle it better, That's which good. is obviously really good news. Because the hormones settle, you kind of find yourself a bit more. Exactly, exactly. As everything comes down. Yeah. However, she sought solace in another way and got into her first relationship when she was only 16 years old. The relationship was with a teacher. Uh, no, no, no. Who was 30. He sounds like a cool guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's for you, Nat. <laughs> oh my god. Rather weirdly, he moved in to live with her and her mother, who, who she lived with at the time. Uh, yeah. You can't see my face, but I'm very puzzled. Like, so this relationship with the teacher, despite the obvious age difference, didn't seem to be abusive in any way. Obviously, having a position in the put. <laughs> Let me start that again. Obviously, having a person in a position of authority and influence, like a teacher, having a relationship with a 16-year-old can be problematic. But everyone involved, including Phoebe's mother, has said that this relationship was loving and stable. Mm. I know. The teacher even moved schools so that it wouldn't be against the rules of the school. So Uh, they knew that it was against the rules and they were like, okay. He's like, I'll move my job. Um, And as the age of consent in Australia is 16 years old, it wasn't illegal either. uh, It was just immoral. Yeah, it's just more like, if you find age differences creepy, then maybe note yourself out of that one. Mm. The relationship came to a natural end. 
And Phoebe didn't seem to be affected negatively in the long term from this experience. Wow. She just seemed like it was something she did and it felt right for her at the time. Which, I mean, I can't judge. Yeah. Um, it's very interesting to note here that Phoebe's mother, Natalie, also had a relationship with a teacher when she was the same age. And she also leans towards older men. Phoebe's grandmother and grandfather are 11 years apart, so it seems as though it's totally normalised within their family that yeah. women will date older men. Natalie has later said that she feels as though the women in their family so far, it might be something in their DNA. I don't know if I think that you can have a genetic disposition to lean towards a certain type of person. However, I do think that that sort of thing is an environmental factor. Mm, and if when Phoebe sure. grew up, it was normalised, like mentally and emotionally, yeah, it that's just what she viewed as being normal, which every family is different. Whether this is a genetic disposition or a behavioural trait that's been learned, it continued with Phoebe. After the relationship with the teacher ended, she got together with another older man who was into the arts, just like she was. This man, I don't know his name, but he was an actor and a musician. Apparently, he was also a bit of a scruff, and the relationship was another semi-serious one that lasted a decent length of time. Phoebe definitely not only chose to court older men, but also ended up dating them quite seriously. She didn't have lots of one-night stands or brief affairs, but instead chose to have only a few intense relationships where she really gave her whole heart. Mm. Phoebe fell in love hard, and her parents remember her as someone who was super romantic. She was also aware of the fact that she was both intelligent and beautiful, and she had a charisma that captivated and charmed many of the men around her. She actually wrote about this in her journal, and you can tell when you read her words that she's a very insightful, creative person. Yeah. And I actually have a quote from it here. Yay! So the passage is as follows. Quote, Men of all ages, countries, states, come to see me, ask my name, each with the same curiosity, wanting to know more of what they know nothing about. You're so mysterious, they say. Tell me what you're feeling. Recently, I have been reminded of my own power, the fierceness and ability to create or destroy. Once I fought it, but now I'm beginning to realise that I'm denying the very essence of who I am. End quote. That's powerful. That's some powerful shit. So yeah. this is what I mean. She was incredibly artistic and creative and she was very good at writing. Mm. And she was also very good at articulating her own thoughts and feelings and putting it on paper. And she kept a very detailed journal. People can't see you nodding. <laughs> I know. <laughs> not not. <laughs> not, not. Um, but yeah, I think that's quite an incredible quote. I really okay. like that. It's, yeah, so she obviously went on a journey of discovering who she is and discovering what it means to be a beautiful woman in this universe. Not not. Not not. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go to 2009. Okay. So it okay. <laughs> so in 2009, Phoebe got a job at a celebrity hair salon as a receptionist. Ooh, that's fun. she was 23 at this point, and the hair salon was owned by Lindley Godfrey. I had not heard of this salon, but I'm not really a salon kind of girl. Mm. But apparently, it's quite fancy pants hairdresser in South Yara. Oh, so that's... yeah, they have like celebrity people that go in there and get their hair done do they well, yeah well in a hair salon I, shut up <laughs> one of her clients was a wealthy man who was approaching his 40th birthday and he caught her eye uh-oh 
I bet he did. Anthony Hampel worked in the events and promotion industry, and he was super rich. His clients included Kylie Minogue, Miley Cyrus, Paris Hilton, Ooh. Prince, ACDC, and just loads more. There was well, loads of them. He... Pff, <laughs> but yeah, he was super fucking rich. Um, he was totally different from anyone Phoebe had dated before, as he mingled with the elite and enjoyed the best of everything. He grew up wealthy as well, as his father, George Hampel, and his stepmother, Felicity Hampel, are both judges. His dad, George, is a retired Supreme Court judge, and his stepmom, Felicity, is a county court judge, which is interesting. So he'll be very aware of the law and how to get around it. It's right? interesting. It's alleged, isn't it? It's allegedly interesting. Ooh. And that's all I'm going to say. But remember that. Just just keep that in your pocket. That's your first shot. <laughs> just That's your first shot. <laughs> just keep it in your pocket for later. <laughs> These two totally different people surprised everyone. And Phoebe's boss, Lindley Godfrey, thought, quote, Phoebe was just going to shag him and flick him, end uh. quote. If only she fucking did. Wow. However, unfortunately... He was wrong. After only five months of dating, things got pretty serious between the two of them. Phoebe moved into Ant's apartment, which was as fancy as he was. It was in the luxurious Balencia apartments, and they lived on the 12th floor. Honestly, the view must have been fucking incredible. The 12th floor. Allegedly falling off the 12th floor. Look, just... I, I know that you're not... Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just just stay with me. I am gonna be quiet. <laughs> but really the view must have been really good. Yeah. Like <laughs> very far. <laughs> it's very far off the ground. Oh god, this isn't funny. The uh, out of curiosity oh this is interesting actually. Ooh. Out of curiosity, I looked up apartments in the same building to see how much they're worth. Oh god. Because I was just curious. Yeah. I just wanted to see how rich this fucker is. And just recently one of those apartments sold for two point one million Australian dollars which is about 1.2 million pounds and 1.5 million US dollars. So they are very expensive apartments. They are like extremely expensive. They are. Yeah. Ant's apartment was his kingdom. He had everything exactly how he liked it and he did not want to compromise on anything. He had a very minimalist style with one of his cleaning ladies later saying that, quote, he wanted it to look as though nobody lived there, end quote. This is super different from how Phoebe lived. She wasn't necessarily messy, but creative people tend to prefer spaces that are well lived in. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your spaces are very well lived in. And interesting. Interesting. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. I'll allegedly take tidy a shot. <laughs> Phoebe did pay Aunt rent, but despite contributing financially to the flat, she wasn't allowed to have a say in how it looked. Phoebe's grandmother, Jeanette, said that there weren't a lot of pictures of Phoebe in the flat, only a few of her with Aunt, and that even her possessions were barely there. Most of her things were kept in storage downstairs. That's shady. Yeah, or it's allegedly fucking shady. shitty. I mean, we can say that... I will happily say mm -hmm. that... If you're living in an apartment with someone mm -hmm. and they don't like having stuff out, so all of your possessions that you love are kept in storage, that's mm -hmm. real shitty. That is very shitty. That's fucking shitty. Mm -hmm. 
And that's all I'm going to say about that. There was also a time her, she said her grandmother had come over for a visit and her grandmother Jeanette said that she hurriedly put away a drinking glass after breakfast because, quote, Anne wouldn't like it, end quote. Jeanette later mused that despite Phoebe being an artist and a creator, there was nothing in the apartment to suggest that she had a presence there. None of her art was on display or in progress where you could see it. I really just want to get her out of there. Yeah. I hate, I hate this. Yeah, I told you I this, this this is hard to listen to. It hurts. It's It sucks real bad. Um, it's... Yeah, this is just one of those stories that's real shit. It just snowballs. It, yeah, it really does. But like, when you when you listen to it in its totality, like you can see what's coming. Mm. And it's... All of us probably know somebody who has got a friend or a family member who's been in a relationship with a shitbag and you can see it going wrong, but there's nothing you can do because they're in it and they need to get themselves out of it. And it's really hard. And when... I was researching this case. I definitely felt that with Phoebe. Like, as I was reading about this story, I was like, this guy's a shitbag. You need to get out of there, sis. And there's nothing you can do. She's very much trapped. Yeah. I will continue. The apartment was not the only area of the couple's life where Phoebe felt like she didn't really match up to what Anne wanted. Although, due to her own eagerness for romance and Anne's ability to control her, it did often leave poor Phoebe feeling as though she didn't fit into his lifestyle. He began to get more controlling of her life, even telling Phoebe that she had to quit her job as a receptionist because it was, quote, below them, and end punch quote. The mic. Don't punch the mic. One of the conditions of the two living together was that she worked at an ad agency called Savvy, which he picked out for her. Again, they can't see you nodding. Not bad. Not <laughs> Phoebe's family and friends noticed not only how she was being controlled in her home life and her job, but in other aspects of her everyday life too. Phoebe very rarely spent time with her friends while she was with Ant, as he didn't want to meet them or mingle with them. Phoebe's friend from before she dated Ant, and I think this might be the younger brother of the scruffy artist that she dated. Oh. I think, but I'm not 100% sure. Mm-hmm. This guy's name is Brent Hesher, and he talked to the journalists at the Sydney morning herald about how Ant changed phoebe's social circle quote but there was quite some time maybe 18 months or so where we didn't keep in touch she sort of hooked up with Ant, different circle of friends and we kind of drifted a little bit there was a very very clear cut of Ant saying no more of these old friends end quote that's really really sad it it really is tom one of phoebe's beloved brothers has talked about how she navigated her new lifestyle. Quote, social expectations are that you fall in line with that sort of stuff, and that was never Phoebe. End quote. It clearly didn't come naturally to her, but she was trying her best to make her relationship work, even if it meant trying to fit into a mould that she didn't find very easy to fit into. Phoebe even changed her appearance, cutting her hair into a short pixie cut, which, I mean, she looked gorgeous with the, with the hair. It uh-huh. really suited her. She looked lovely. And she dyed it very dark. Ooh. This style made her look, in her grandmother's opinion, very much like Aunt's older sister. Nope. Yeah, I know, it's real bad. So the older sister is called Christina Hampel, and her grandmother Jeanette wonders if this was another intentional move on Aunt's part. So Jeanette spoke about this, saying how she remembers Phoebe felt as though she was under pressure. 
She said, quote, There was a mould she felt she had to fit. Chrissy used to lend her clothes. On one occasion we were meeting and Phoebe said, I've got to go to the dry cleaners. Do you want to come with me? And I said, you go into the dry cleaners. What are you going to the dry cleaners for? Yeah, I've got to pick up one of Chrissy's special gowns I borrowed. When I got to the dry cleaners, I was stunned because I knew I was looking at a garment worth a lot of money. End quote. Mm-hmm. So she was, she, she cut her hair in a haircut that looked really like the fancy older sister. She was borrowing the older sister's clothes. Mm-hmm. And it's like she's she's clearly trying really hard to fit into what Aunt Hample wants and what he likes. Do you happen to know the age gap between him and his sister? Not off the top of my head. I could find it for the next, for like the next time, but I, I don't have it on me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know at this point Aunt is like, 39 approaching 40. I'm not mm. quite sure how old his sister is. Um, later on in 2009, while she was living with Anne, Phoebe developed a fixation with another teacher. This time a teacher in her art school. Her own mother, Natalie, described her as obsessed. Wow. She would pester this teacher with emails in which she demanded that he become involved in an affair with her. Wow. I mean, who demands it? You will have an affair with me. It's like, oh, <laughs> shit. She knows what she wants. She's going yeah. for it. However, he refused. Oh, fair. He accused Phoebe of stalking him, and this <laughs> resulted in Phoebe being expelled from the school. So, unusually, she didn't get her way with the man she had her eye on. Ooh. This does not happen very often. That's a first for her. Perhaps. Yeah. So, this desire for an affair signaled their difficulties in the relationship, I think. Definitely. And how she felt about Anne trying to extinguish her fiery spirit. Natalie spoke about how Phoebe told her about a fight she and Aunt had over a Skype call. The lead up to the fight was that Aunt went away for a few days and he didn't want Phoebe to drink or party while he was away. You know, because he's her owner and can tell her what to do. Mm. Aunt and Phoebe had a fight over the call when she did go out and get drunk and Aunt was shouting that he didn't know who was sleeping in his bed. Which, if you ask me, is a little bit dramatic. Like... Is she, like, quote-unquote, allowed to sleep in his bed? Do they share a bed? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm assuming that, like, they're sharing a bed. And he's saying mm. that because she was going out and getting drunk, he didn't know who she was bringing back to the apartment. That's ridiculous. And it's like, just because she's going out and partying doesn't mean that she's going to be bringing people back to their apartment. How fragile. The two things that... Fragile. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes. He's... He is a fragile baby. He's a baby man. He's a baby man. One that we don't feel sorry for. Nope. Phoebe confided in her friends and family that she felt as though she didn't have much of a voice in their relationship, and her therapist, Joanna Young, that he made her feel stupid. All of this seemed to boil up until it came to a head in the six weeks before Phoebe died, when she attempted to leave him four times. God damn. Just a quick recap. Everything that we've covered in the last few minutes is example after example of textbook coercive control and emotional abuse. We have no evidence whatsoever that Aunt was ever violent with Phoebe, and no members of her family have suggested there was any physical abuse in the relationship. However, from quotes that we've got from people that knew Phoebe, if everything that they're saying is true, then Aunt was certainly emotionally manipulative, and Phoebe was stuck in an emotionally abusive and controlling relationship. It certainly doesn't appear, from a neutral perspective, hmm. that Phoebe was lying, as everyone says that she told them the same things. And multiple different people in Phoebe's life have noticed the same behaviours and events happening around them. And as everyone listening to this podcast knows, the most dangerous time for a woman when she is in an abusive relationship is when she tries to leave. Yeah. 
Now, we're going to get into a little bit of a timeline. Ooh. So, like we said, in the weeks before her death, Phoebe tried to leave Ant four times. In October 2010, two months before Phoebe died, Phoebe had a conversation with her mother in which she asked if a trip she had offered to gift her was still on the table. She didn't say why, but only it might need to be at very short notice. She left the Balencia apartments in Melbourne for Malakuta on the 20th of October to visit her grandma, and she had decided to leave her relationship. Yeah. This honestly sounds like a great idea. She wanted to quit her job at the events agency mm-hmm. and to go and volunteer in India. It really would have been right up Phoebe Street because she loved adventuring, and she seemed to really relish in the bohemian lifestyle. She even went to an AA meeting while she was in Malakuta, as she was serious about wanting to get sober. Oh, I know. That's good. That, I know. That takes a lot to go to AA. Exactly. A woman from the meeting gave her a ride back to her grandmother's house, and they t- had a long talk in the car. The woman later on made a statement to police, and said that Phoebe talked a lot about her problems in her relationship, and that she seemed to be struggling a lot with dealing with Ant. The woman also said that throughout the entire AA meeting and the car ride home, that Phoebe's phone was constantly ringing. It was Ant who was calling back to back, and Phoebe said to the woman that she wished he would leave her alone. The witness actually died before the inquest and could only give this initial statement. Wow. Yeah. Lucky that she made that statement. She she made that statement, yeah. Um, But yeah, I couldn't find who she was i think she wanted to remain anonymous mm. i tried looking in to see if i could find anything else about her but i couldn't um so that's that's all we know from that one witness unfortunately Aunt convinced phoebe to return to the balencia apartment on the 24th of october just a few days later things seemed to be going all right from the outside until the 17th of november when Aunt and phoebe had a dinner with linda one of phoebe's closest friends there was a fucking huge blow-up at dinner because Phoebe checked her phone and Aunt didn't like it. They can't see you nodding. I've been there. <laughs> Aunt actually left the dinner and drove home without her. What? Because he's a piece of shit. Very fragile. Very fucking fragile. Fuck me. And Phoebe and Linda ended up staying up all night talking, which, to be honest, was probably really good for Phoebe because it's healthy to air it all out. And Phoebe seems to be really open with people about her troubles. Like, she definitely doesn't have a problem communicating, which is a good quality, in my opinion. She doesn't seem like the kind of person who keeps it all bottled in. And Ant did not seem to appreciate that part of her personality because he's fragile. Very fragile. (laughs) It's like, he needs a sticker on that says, handle with care. Mm. Up his ass. Up his ass. (laughs) Phoebe told Linda all the same things as she told her grandmother about how she wanted to leave Anne and go and volunteer in India. Phoebe decided by the end of the conversation that she was going to return to her grandmother's place in Malakuta and stick with her plan. The two ladies drove Phoebe to Anne's... Let me start again. The two ladies drove Phoebe to... Yeah, I typed this wrong. Did they? Um, so they, they drove to Phoebe and Aunt's apartment and the pair packed up Phoebe's things, which probably didn't take long because most of her stuff was already in fucking storage. So Aunt didn't have to look at it. And Phoebe moved out a second time. Yay. So that's time number two. Good. Three days later, she was journaling, writing poetry, creating art in Linda's house. And she seemed to be in really good spirits. And then Aunt called. This was the 20th of November. And he asked her to move back in with him. 
And why? she did. She, you, you, no. I know. I know. Like, what's the point of having a huge fight with somebody and then mm-hmm. driving home without them and basically acting like you don't care if they're there or not and then beg for them to come back when mm-hmm. they leave? Like, he just wants her so he can hide her. Exactly. He yeah. wants her because people that do that kind of thing, those, like, people in general like that, mm-hmm. allegedly, just really love controlling other people. It's not about whether they love them or not, it's mm-hmm. about what they can tell them to do. Yes. Allegedly. <sighs> this time didn't last long. Within two days, he kicked her out. Oh. So what was the point in putting her through all that moving back and forth if he's going to kick her out in two days anyway? What's the point? On the 22nd of November, she called her dad, who dropped oh. everything to come and get her. Oh. And for some reason, that just makes me really fucking sad. Yeah. It, like, when that... When... if Even the reverse, like, call our dad... He would be there. <laughs> oh, here we go. I have to cut this out. <laughs> good so she ended up living with her dad and her two brothers for three days aunt had asked her to go to dinner so they could talk (sighs) i know this guy needs to fuck off i know (sighs) this whole thing is just a huge shit show anyway so they met up he asked her to move back in with him Mm. he also invited her on a romantic trip to paris Mm. by the time november 29th rolled around they had another fight which is not surprising because she doesn't no, want to be there. I mean, no. She clearly does not want to be there. No, she's left. Too and many she's left. times. One should be enough. Exactly. This time, they were at dinner with friends, a couple called Matt and Julia Rockman. Phoebe and Julia really got along, but of course, Anne wouldn't let Phoebe talk about what she wanted to talk about. Phoebe had a couple of drinks and got to the stage where you overshare. Oh, good. Which I'm familiar with. I don't know about you. I yeah, definitely... I'm familiar with you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm an oversharing drinker. I'm one of those people. So I, I understand what Phoebe is experiencing right now. Yes. Um, and Phoebe was an open book anyway. So this was yeah. literally just like... She Even was more. all about it. Phoebe wanted to speak her mind to Julie about her feelings and experiences. But Aunt put a stop to that shit right away and took her home. I know. Ooh. It's like, are you fucking yeah. kidding me? Phoebe and Anne ended up having a screaming row in the car park of the apartments and when phoebe left she was crying i know so after she walked off and left aunt standing alone in the car park like a pillock she met up with brendan <laughs> hessian the Good. friend who we heard from earlier it was getting late by this point and they met at around 11 p.m when brent arrived phoebe seemed really happy to see him and gave him a running hug which is adorable. She's probably relieved as fuck. Exactly. She's really yeah. relieved that it's somebody who's not her fucking disgusting boyfriend. Yeah. He's yeah. since said that her phone was ringing constantly, and the records back this up. Mm-hmm. Phoebe's phone records record. <laughs> <laughs> Phoebe's phone records from this night show that between eleven and twelve, he called her twenty-seven times. I have no words. Twenty-seven. I have no words. That's so many calls in an hour. She ended up getting tired of this, as any reasonable person would, and she launched her phone across the street. Good. Honestly, good for her. Yeah. Good for her. Let it out. I mean, she did go and pick it up. That's responsible. Which is, yeah, clever, but 
I would launch my fucking phone into, into space. Into like, oblivion. Yeah, that and phone also is gone. block his number. Block that shit. She didn't block his number. Why? <laughs> I know. So Brent left at midnight as he had to work the next day. And Phoebe went to her mom's. So she stayed up all night talking to a guy called Russell, who at the time was her mum's partner. Right. So she stayed up with her mum's partner and they just talked about how shitty aunt is, mm. basically. Good. <clears throat> Phoebe also mentioned to her father, Len, that she was worried that on the upcoming Paris trip, she was worried that aunt was going to propose to her. Ah, uh, yes. So as someone who got engaged in Paris myself, yes. I can say that it's not a good sign. If you're worried that someone is going to ask to marry you, yes, it's generally something you get excited about. If you're telling your parents, oh my God, I think he's going to ask me to marry him. That's terrible. I don't want that. Yeah. That tells you everything you need to know. It's very, very wrong. We can see in the last few weeks, particularly the last few days of Phoebe's life, how controlling Aunt was over her and their relationship. Things between them escalated as Phoebe was showing more signs of leaving him. So he started out with the constant phone calls, he was bargaining, he was taking her out to dinner, he even bribed her with a fancy trip. He was clearly extremely desperate not to let Phoebe get away from him. He controlled every aspect of her life at this point, according to the people who knew her. Her job, her appearance, what friends she was allowed to see, what she was allowed to say to his friends, where she stored her own belongings in an apartment she contributed rent for. If Phoebe left, he wouldn't be controlling anything anymore. He would just be a lonely little man in a sparse apartment. Yes. Now, we are getting closer to the 2nd of December. After Phoebe moved back in with Anne on the 29th of November, she had a Skype call with her mum, Natalie, and this would be the last time that Natalie would see her daughter alive. Phoebe was in the apartment when the Skype call happened, as Natalie recognised the room that Phoebe was in. Natalie said that the room itself was quite dark and the light from the phone was on Phoebe's face. Natalie said, quote, I said, have you patched everything up with Aunt? And she just lifted her finger to her lips to silence me. And I realised straight away. She said, Aunt and I are just watching a movie in the other room. She obviously wanted to say something but couldn't. End quote. That is so incredibly chilling, and I fucking hate it. That's heartbreaking. I hate it. I, I hate all of that. Like, I, I hate that so much. On the 30th of November, Phoebe saw her therapist. Her therapist, Joanna Young, said that she spoke to Phoebe for about half an hour. Phoebe was very upset about her alcohol problems and her relationship, and Joanna Young regrets not calling a crisis line. Her mental state was not in a good place. At half past four, Phoebe texted her grandmother to say that she was doing okay. On the morning of the 1st of December, Phoebe was still sleeping off the bender that she went on on the 29th of November, you know, when she went out with Anne and she did some drinking and stuff. So she was still sleeping that off. Good. Sometimes it's best to just sleep. Sometimes she goes to sleep. (laughs) Her family and friends have all said that despite having alcohol addiction issues, she could only have a couple of drinks before she was pretty legless, and she got bad hangovers <laughs> as well. Oh. So, despite the fact that she loved to drink, she could only have, like, two before she was, like, staggering all over the place. That's good. I mean, a it's a cheap night out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, around 8.15am, Aunt left for work. 
and he took Phoebe's iPhone with him to get it repaired after she threw it. Mm. This phone ends up being very interesting, as Phoebe has two. Oh. She has two phones. Smart girl. She has this iPhone, and she also has an old Nokia, which has all her contacts on. The iPhone is actually Ant's phone, which he <laughs> let her use. Oh, for fuck's sake. I fucking hate this guy. You know what? Good for him for being so stupid, because she's got two phones, probably I... without his knowledge. Which is something he didn't really control. I mean, maybe he knew that she had the Nokia. I don't, I don't know. Um, so... I'm not even going to start on that because I could go on forever, but I feel like at this point I don't have to. Mm. I don't have to say anything. The Nokia, which is the one that Phoebe had before they dated and had her contacts on, is very interesting as we wonder what else could have been on it. Unfortunately, we have no idea as this phone has never been found. Which I also hate. At all? Never. Wow. I hate it. Where would it be? Where do you think? It ends us. Where he stores everything. Do I have to edit this out? Am I going to no. get sued for saying something's up his butt? I don't think so. I don't know. Because it's not realistic. It's no, it's funny. not realistic. It's just a joke. Like, I obviously don't think he's got a phone up his butt. Neither That's, do I. Really, I, I don't but... believe that. <laughs> he just puts on vibrate. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. That's so disgusting. So is he. Okay, right. That's out of the way. Putting that aside. So anyway, Ant has said from his own statements, he literally said this himself, that he left around 8.15 and he took the iPhone with him. That's what he said, right? Right. At 10.30-ish, lots of people on Phoebe's contacts list, including her mom, grandma, her boss at work, and Ant, got a long and bizarre text message from Phoebe's iPhone, Mm. which has later been known as the tomato soup text. Would you like to read it? I would love to read it. Right, so the italicized bit here is the bit that I want you to read out. Okay. Okay, so there you go. Hi, family. I'm in bed about to sleep, and when I wake, I will transform into the most incredible human being you have ever seen. Not, I will go to hospital. It is much safer there. And I hear that the special tonight tomato soup Delicious, nutritious, I love you all very much, but not enough to send an individual text. Sorry about that. Time is sleep and I must be on my way. Merrily, merrily, merrily. Life is but a dream. XO. End quote. So what are your thoughts on this message? It sounds like alleged. He wrote that. Changed his mind about three times how he was going to, you know, have the tone of the text read. And then send it to fuck with everyone. I mean, some people online do... I've seen people posting on Reddit. I've seen people posting online that mm. some people think that Ant wrote that text message because he had a phone. Yes. Um, some people think because of the way that it's very... It's... How should I say this? It's bizarrely written. And because Phoebe's a bit of a poet, people yeah. have thought maybe that's just a sort of like her... You know when you have like a rambling thought and you just write it down? Yeah. It kind of reads a bit like a rambling thought that she's written down. Mm. So some people think that she's saying that she wants to get sober. Like she wants to go to, like check herself into a hospital and get sorted out with her alcohol dependency. Maybe. Like some people have said that. Um, lots of people have been really puzzled about how she could have written that text if Aunt had her phone as he said he did. Yeah. 
Precisely. It does look like the sort of thing a poetic, artistic person might muse over and write, but mm-hmm. some people think that it wasn't Phoebe who wrote the message. No. Anne eventually changed his story and said that he took the phone for repairs the day after, on Thursday, but he stuck with his original story on and off for about a year. I know. So, <laughs> I mean, if it would be, it would be great if he just said one thing and then stuck to it yeah. because then we know that that's true i just love that he he goes oh does this make me look guilty of something oh okay i'll, I'll change, change my mind because <laughs> you know i mean innocent people do that all the time yeah obviously um what was i up to yeah so one police officer and phoebe's dad think so a police officer who went later, and Phoebe's own dad, mm. thought that they saw the iPhone in her apartment later on, which could mean that the phone was taken for repairs after December 2nd. Mm. So if the police officer and Phoebe's father, Len, are correct, then Ant just got his days fucked up and he took it on the Thursday. Mm. And it was still there. Which would make sense. It would. It would. That would make sense. Um, however, there's no actual proof of this all, and even the man in the repair shop doesn't remember the phone. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The only thing that police have in terms of evidence is a receipt handed over by Ant's father, George Hampel, who, if you remember, is a retired Supreme Court judge, Mm. which shows the phone being picked up from the repair shop a few days after Phoebe died. Convenient. It's very convenient. It's very interesting. Mm. And let's leave that there. Her family members who received this text were alarmed, which is not a surprise because it's very weird, and they began messaging each other to see if they'd heard from Phoebe or seen her. Jeanette ended up getting hold of Ant, who said that she's fine, she's sleeping off a hangover. He said to Jeanette that he went back to Phoebe to check on her at 12pm, and he told Jeanette that she was fine. However... The security system for the building, which is very fancy, obviously, it doesn't show any activity from his swipe card at this time. So if he did go and check on her, he found a way around the security system, or it just didn't log his card for some reason. Because maybe he... Maybe he maybe. forgot that he never went to go and check on her. Maybe. Maybe. He's so bad with dates, and oh, he's, when did I do anything? So, yeah, he seems to be forgetful, so maybe he mm. forgot that he didn't go and see her. Or maybe he did go and see her, and for some reason, his card didn't log his movements, which would also be interesting. And unfortunate for him. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> we are going to make our way to the next day, Thursday the 2nd of December. So... Yeah, this. <laughs> the face palm you did. <laughs> okay, what are we Just, coming up to? We're coming up to something real bad. So Phoebe's dad, Len, calls her iPhone but doesn't get an answer. Possibly because it's broken or possibly because it's already at the repair shop. Mm. We don't know. Mm. Um, he wanted to talk to her to check the plans for that night. They were celebrating his birthday and were going to have dinner together at the Golden Triangle with Ant, which is a restaurant. Yeah. Okay. I know. This is real fun. Yeah. This is real shitty. Very. This is like... This is real fucking terrible. Ant left to go to work at sometime after 8am and we can see that at 8.45am, Phoebe sent an email and was on the computer for a while. 
So she was doing emails, she mm. was doing computer stuff, everything was fine. So she was up and awake at that point. Yeah. A few hours later, we see her on the CCTV when the fire alarm in the apartment building went off and she left with her dog, who is called Yoshi, which Aww. is adorable. We love that. We love that. I've seen pictures of Yoshi, he's super cute. Aww. It's at 11.44am that we see Phoebe trip a little as she goes out of the door. Some people think that she might have already been day drinking, but to be honest, if you've got a dog that's on a lead, yeah. it's really, really easy for them to pull you around. Definitely. Like, yeah. It, so, she tripped. We don't know why. People speculate, but nobody knows why she tripped. That's mm. ridiculous. The fire alarm was uneventful, and six minutes later, she's seen going back in. So at 11.50am, she goes back inside the apartment building, and this video of her walking back inside with Yoshi is the last time that Phoebe is seen alive. Oh. Phoebe logs onto the computer again, and there is no record of any of her activities after 12.03pm. Okay, now we're going to skip ahead a few hours. Okay. Later that night, at just after 7pm, an awful discovery was made at the apartment building. Oh. A concierge, Beth, who worked at the building, tried to open the door to the refuse room, but she couldn't get the door open. This was one of the rooms where the garbage chutes from each floor ended, and the trash was deposited into large bins underneath. She peeked into the little window in the door and saw what she thought was a mannequin someone had put down a chute. But it's never a fucking... Mannequin. No. So, Beth saw the blood and she made the awful connections and she fucking liked it. She was hysterical. She ran to call her boss. Her manager, Mr... I'm not very good at this. So, I think he's called Mr. Giamario? Giamario? I'm not sure. But anyway, that's who he is. And he called... He's the one that called the police at 7.14pm. And they arrived six minutes later at 7.20pm. The following description of the scene is incredibly graphic and I encourage you to skip if you don't want to hear the awful details that I'm about to tell you. So skip. Skippity skippity. (laughs) If you don't want to hear this awful, awful thing. Hold on to your fucking ass. Go on, cheek. Let's go. Phoebe was discovered to be face up, lying by the door to the room. She was wearing the same outfit that she was seen in during the CCTV video, except that her jeans were down below her knees. She had injuries to her head, but the cause of death was from bleeding out through a massive wound to her right leg. Phoebe's foot was almost entirely separated from her leg, hanging on only through a muscle tendon. Both of her legs had suffered lacerations and were covered in bruises. Phoebe also had bruises on her torso, arms and neck. The injuries to her legs was determined to have been caused by the rubbish compactor as she fell through the chute and landed at the bottom. The compactor ejected her into the wheelie bin underneath, which tipped over as she landed in it. The bin had a large amount of blood in the bottom of it, and the opening of the chute that came into the room had a mixture of blood and tissue on the edges. There was a trail of blood moving clockwise around the room, as Phoebe dragged herself around the room looking for a way out, and her blood was on the back of the door. 
There aren't any words to describe my horror at the idea of Phoebe slowly dying in the dark, awful room. When the ambulance arrived at half past seven that night, the responding police officers would not allow paramedics into the room. This is unheard of. It's drilled into every first responder that the priority at any scene is the preservation of human life. No medical personnel had been to Phoebe to determine if she was still alive and to try and provide life-saving measures to her. Police attending have since said that she was clearly deceased, but nobody actually checked. The fact that emergency medical personnel were not allowed by the police to check for signs of life is incredibly disturbing, and she would be lying on that floor for nine and a half hours. Her family is understandably and rightly outraged that this happened, as the police attending were not qualified to pronounce Phoebe as dead when she was found. The fall from the 12th floor did not kill Phoebe. She was still alive when she reached the bottom of the chute. The blood trails around the room sadly confirmed this. There is a possibility, no matter how slim, that Phoebe could have been hanging onto life when she was found. But as the ambulance crew were only allowed to view her from the open doorway, nobody will ever know. It is on this sad note that we are going to leave our story for today. This will be a two-parter, and next time we are going to examine the chapter on the aftermath of Phoebe's death. I am going to tell you, and everybody listening, Mm -hmm. about how the case was handled afterwards and the behaviours of both Aunt Hample and Phoebe's family after the tragic discovery was made. So... That's all I'm going to discuss for today. That was heavy. That just was now heavy. to say out loud. Yeah, you did really well. <laughs> Thank you. It was quite hard to read. Um, but this is the case that I've been quite familiar with for a couple of years, and it is a case that's been quite highly discussed already, which I think is a very good thing. That is good, and it's it's very difficult to read about her injuries and what were clearly the horrific last moments of her life but I feel as though there's a lot of stigma around having a troubled relationship there's a lot of stigma around having depression there's stigma around having alcohol and substance problems but that doesn't mean that we don't talk about it Mm -hmm. We have to talk about these things. We do. And I feel as though, even though this is not... I mean, none of the stories that I've told so far have been nice stories. But I feel as though this one is particularly not nice. But I do hope that I managed... As, as though it ended on a horrible note. We're only partway there. That's good that there's going to be a lot more to hear for this. There's a lot more to hear. There needs to be more on this. I simply don't have time to discuss everything else in this same episode because I Mm. can see on the clock. I know that I'm going to edit things out, but we're already an hour in. Yeah. And we've we've literally only just got to the part of the story 
where Phoebe has died. Yeah. There is an awful lot that happens that we haven't covered yet. And it is, to say the least, it's fascinating. Yeah. It's infuriating. Very... It's bizarre. It's... I don't... Do you, are you familiar with this case? Because I don't want to say too much if you don't... Not really. Yeah, I'm no. not going to say anything too much because I don't want to... I don't want to, like, ruin being able to tell you yeah. next time. Um, okay. But so I really wanted to spend a lot of time covering in this first part how amazing Phoebe was in life. Yes. Because I think that that's covering how what kind of impact somebody had on the world in their living moments mm -hmm. is equally, if not more important, than the lessons that we can learn in death. Yes. Yeah. Does that make sense? It does, because she was a whole human with so much depth to her. She had so much. She really was a tiger. She she gave no fucks and took no shit. Mm -hmm. But she loved her family, and she would do anything for her family. But as is the case a lot of the times with strong, empowered, brilliant women. Life is hard for them. It really is. It, Especially when you're self-aware. Yeah. And you know your good qualities. Yeah. A lot and of people Phoebe, don't like that. Phoebe, yeah, Phoebe knew her strengths. She knew what she was worth. Mm -hmm. And she, I think, I think as she came to realise those things... It empowered her to know that about herself. But I think also society will make things more difficult for you when you know those things. Definitely. Yeah. So apologies to everyone who's just had to listen to that because the last part was brutal and awful. But I think it is important to know what happened to her so we can discuss in the second part the... There's, we've got to talk about the autopsy reports, The there's inquests that we need to talk about. And I feel as though knowing the precise nature of how Phoebe died and her injuries, it helps to add some context when we're going to look at the inquest. For sure. For the, for, from the yes. medical side of things, to, mm. to know all this stuff and be aware of, of what happened, it is incredibly useful later on. And I mean, Phoebe's own family, like, the resources that they've put online are mm. incredible. They have shared so much about who Phoebe was and what happened to her. They're not afraid of people knowing what happened to her because they want things like this to be talked about. Mm. Um, I feel like we should end it on a lighter note because that was really heavy. It was very heavy. That was incredibly heavy well. emotionally heavy. Mm -hmm. um, it's weird because time flew. It doesn't. Feel yeah, like it doesn't it's feel like we've been sat here for an hour, but I can see the clock is ticking an hour and four minutes. <laughs> I mean, I did do a lot of giggling about basketball and homework. Yeah, we, we're going to have to cut a lot out because Sophie yes, got the giggles I got uh, at the beginning. Early got on, a bit. early on, early yes. on when we were still lighthearted. Sophie got a little giggly. Yes, um, a little giggly. <laughs> 
I feel as though I can comfortably say without getting sued mm. that I feel yes. comfortably yes. as though Aunt Hampel is not the kind of person I would get along with. No. no. I could confidently say that. I don't think I would get along with him. I agree with that. I don't think you would get along with him. I don't think I would get along with him. No. Um, trying to think if there's anything I can say that's a bit... Maybe we need to do what Billy Jensen and Paul Holes do at the end of their show. So they have a thing called a weekly distraction. Ooh. Where because the subject matter is often like this, Mm. horrific... Yeah, they have a thing at the end called the weekly distraction, where you just mention something that's happened to you in this week, where Ooh, okay. like it's kind of a distraction from all the this. Yeah. So, I suppose my weekly distraction is I'm currently planning my wedding. I'm getting married <laughs> in five days from when we record this, um, <laughs> and it's going to be small. It's going to be low key, um, but there's be... a lot to do. It's it's beautiful in that dress i hope so, <laughs> so but there's a lot to do and i'm getting there it's it's all coming up millhouse it is but like good millhouse. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah that's what i'm doing have you got anything that's been distracting you this week being a bridesmaid <laughs> being a bridesmaid yeah that still fits excellent news <laughs> amazing I'm so fucking hyped for this. <sighs> I've probably been annoying my colleagues. It won't be like, this is my wedding. You know, this is his wedding. They've been, you know, they're an adorable couple. And I've known my brother-in-law is not technically yet my brother-in-law, but I've known him since I was like 11 and 12. Yeah, you were 12. A good portion when... of my life. Yeah, we were 12. And he's wonderful. And we, now we I'm like 12. a whole adult. And I'm seeing them be wed. And I am so proud. I'm going to cry like a baby on that day. Oh my god, me too. Like, <laughs> my flowers are going to be my tissues. <laughs> oh my god. Well, why don't... I feel like I feel like the maid of honour, Karis, is going to be on tissue duty. For sure. I've said to her, like, she's going to need tissues. And pockets. Like, <laughs> Karis, make sure your dress has pockets. Absolutely. For wet tissues. <laughs> <laughs> tissue. No, we're not going to give them back to her. That's not how this works. <laughs> Karis, I feel like Sophie's going to give you wet tissues. I feel like I'm going to cry. <laughs> I'm going to give you my tears. Oh my god. Right, so that's a significant distraction. Sure is. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm. And next time on part two of um, the story of the tiger that was Phoebe Hans' drug, we're going to discuss what happened after she died, how the case was handled, the inquest, and what sort of things Aunt Hampel has been up to since. Anyone that's listening, yes, I cut that out. Yeah. It's gone. No one will ever hear it. Nope. It's gone. Damn it. And we're going before she can say anything else. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.